Um, how did I get here? Gosh, um, it's you know I, I, I tend to forget to tell people about that. But there I was minding my own business. I was 16 years in the Navy. Uh, had a family of uh, three kids and still one wife. Yay! Who's working today? She couldn't be here, but uh, we got dragged kicking and screaming to the Pentagon. You know, like uh, all good sailors, I tried to stay away from there as far away from headquarters as possible. And uh, but we found ourselves in a mission-oriented church, and I sat in a missions conference, thinking, "What could I ever do for the kingdom of God? All I know about is ships." And uh, the very next year, at our following missions conference, the guy who started OM and who got the original vision for the ships showed up. And, you know, I heard about ships for five nights. Other people heard about other things, but I heard about ships. I was on destroyers my whole Navy career, um, running with crews between 350 and 375 people. And, uh, you know, so the idea... I mean, number one, I didn't even know God was still using ships these days. You know, the last mission involvement with ships I had heard of is, you know, when the guys packed all their stuff in a coffin and, you know, and got on the ship and went three months to get to wherever they were going. And, uh, you know, but it turns out he's using ships today. And uh, I guess it took me a little longer than anybody, than, than other people to get trained for this because I was 20 years in the Navy before I switched over from the U.S. Navy into God's Navy, and that was uh, 1996. And uh, so we've been privileged to serve uh, with OM in their ship ministry off and on since 1996. Um, I'm currently involved in special projects, which is also uh, a, a lot of uh, cooperative partnerships that we have throughout the world and uh, still spending time on the ships. But, uh, you know, like I said, there I was, minding my own business, and God stepped in and said, your boy. I got something for you. Um, Like I said, I'm a sailor. Okay, so I want to start out this morning by talking about a couple of knots. Sailors are big into knots. But, so here we go. Missions is not the end. Missions is the means to the end. John Piper says that missions exists because worship doesn't. There are about six and a half billion people in the world and probably three and a half or four billion of those have never heard the name of Christ. Some of those people live in places where Ron and Tom are right now. Some of those people live, you could walk out to the edge of our property and throw a rock and hit their house. There are people all over the place who don't know who Jesus is. But it's a, uh, you know, missions is a temporary thing. It's for here and for now. Worship, that's a forever thing. That's an eternal thing. So we are working, as we talk about mission, we're talking about being temps, basically. Okay? Um, Maybe longer, maybe longer term temps, but temps. But uh, so that's one of them. The other not is that the message of the gospel is not that God loves me. 
I am not the center of the universe. You are not the center of the universe. Mission, or excuse me, the gospel is God loves me so that, so that I might make him his ways, his salvation, his glory and his greatness known to all the nations. That's the gospel. Now, we've been planning this go global thing for, for quite a while, and uh, um, and I knew I was going to be speaking today, and I had this great message all planned out. And the Sunday, the day before I left, September 26th, the Lord had Ross hand these things out. Remember those? The blank check. Are you all in? Wow, was that a derailer? I wasn't ready for that. Um, I had a I had a bit of a time grappling with that. Am I really all in? I'm just getting ready to go overseas for six months, and uh, or I mean not six months, six weeks. But uh, but and here's this: Are you all in? It would have been so easy to just sign it and pass it off and just say, well, you know, knowing that I'm never going to be able to deliver anyway because it's beyond me. I can't do that. I can't do that in my own strength. Now, as, as I'm flying across the Atlantic to join the ship, here's a, I wrote a note to one of my prayer partners. I said, look, it's too easy to just not assent knowing that I can never get there. But, you know, the scripture says... It's better not to vow than to make one and break it. And so we get back to the same old question. How much of this is up to God and how much of it's up to me? You know, I keep getting stuck there. I know it's all him. But boy, it's a long distance from there to there sometimes. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've tried and tried and tried and failed and failed and failed. I've lost careers, positions, radical changes, and yet lukewarmness and unbelief keep grabbing hold of me and dragging me down. Here I am working on a missionary ship, and I don't have time to spend with God. Now, I mean, I've, I've, I've taught this, you know, I've taught it in Sunday school. I've taught it in, you know, churches all over the world. I've taught it to people in various places. But, you know, we get so busy doing the work of the Lord that we don't have time. We don't take time for the Lord of the work. And yet, I find myself going in this little do loop. And But every time, every time, he proves himself trustworthy. He proves himself faithful. He has more in store for me than I could ever, ever guess. But so, you know, what do I do with this? 
And just shortly after I got to the ship, one of our uh, one of our messages was, you know, directed us to Psalm 119. And, you know, Denise uh, spoke on Psalm 119 a couple weeks ago. But one of the things she pointed out is that God speaks differently to different people. And, uh, you know, here's the kind of stuff that jumped out at me from Psalm 119. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your principles. Please don't give up on me. I've tried my best to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your law. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your law. Teach me, O Lord. Give me understanding. Make me walk along the path of your commands. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. You know, I get stuck. I get lukewarm. I get distracted. And here's the psalmist. He's in the same place. He's in the same place. And yet God chose to use him to write down scripture for us. That gives me some hope. Not that I can give myself a pass. Remember that one of those last things that don't let me lie to myself. Not that I can just give myself a, a free pass, but, but that no matter how many times I lose track, no matter how many times I lose sight of him and crash and burn on my own, he's going to be there. He's going to be the one. So if you look at this check, it's finally dated on October 8th. It's a good long time after September 26th. But he waits. He's patient with us. The Bible says God's word achieves the purpose for which he sent it. We look for him in the big things. But he speaks in a still small voice. And he uses that voice generally when we ask him. He doesn't kick doors down usually. He doesn't, he doesn't force his way in. He doesn't say, this is the only way and you don't have any other choices. He waits for us to ask. Father, as we go into this session this morning, we ask that you would speak for your servants are listening. Amen. So let's get into Psalm 67. Turn with me to Psalm 67. We'll look at the first two verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on the earth and your salvation among all the nations. Wow. How's that going to happen? Tom last week talked about we are the pots. We're the clay pots. And God has chosen to use us. And, uh, you know, what does, that, what does that look like? And uh, if you look at Romans 10, verses 14 and 15, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those 
who bring good news. You know, our youth group just went to Nicaragua this summer. You see this picture of feet that's on our slides and on the front of your bulletin. They went to a group of people, about 300 strong, who were forcibly relocated off of where they used to live on the garbage dump. And the local authorities decided they needed to move a couple miles beyond the garbage dump, further out of town, further away from any kind of civilization. And the week that they were there had been a week of heavy rainfall, and what passed for a road was impassable by any kind of mechanical transport. So our young people walked past the dump and two miles further to bring the good news to this community. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I dare say they look kind of like that by the time they got there. We don't necessarily think that looks beautiful. But what they brought was. I wish you could have been with me on Thursday morning. We, you know, we, we took four van loads of food down to Better Way for the Thanksgiving meal. We got there probably at quarter to nine in the morning for a meal that wasn't going to start until noon. But as we pulled in, turned down the alleyway, the first person we saw was one of the guys waiting for this lunch, just hanging out on the corner. But as we turned in, I watched him. And he turned and he waved and he smiled at every one of our vehicles that was coming in there. There were other people gathered around the front of the church waiting, waiting for this feast that was being put on. But the other people I wish you could have seen was the Better Way staff. I mean, as we came in, we were only there about five minutes. It doesn't take that long to, you know, when you have an army of people to help unload food out of vehicles. But, you know, when we came in, they were kind of, they were kind of smiling. But by the time we left, you know, you're hearing people saying, there's, there's six more vehicles lined up out there. You know, there's this much more. There's all this food coming in. I mean, and man, they were encouraged by the ministry of showing up. Now, we were able to go see that part of it because you all made food. Because of your obedience, these folk were encouraged. The people waiting for the meal were encouraged. They got a good meal too. But because you were obedient. You know, but let's, let's don't become so familiar with the sacrifice Jesus made for us that it becomes commonplace and, you know, we just don't even think about it anymore. It's, it's easy to do, but, you know, the people we're going to, they don't know about it. They think he could care less. But we need to tell them. You know, walking with him is a journey. We learn something every day. We learn a little bit more. You know, but at the end of the day, it's God's self-revelation that brings people into the kingdom. Okay? Kingdom is built one heart at a time. And God is the one 
who does it. Now, we might get front row seats, and that's really cool. Let me tell you, it is fun to watch God work. And, you know, Tom told some stories last week of how that happens when we least expect it. You know, um, our ship went to Tripoli, Libya a couple of weeks ago, three, four weeks ago now, and uh, didn't expect much there. I didn't. (laughs) I think God likes it when I don't expect things because then he just blows the doors off. And we had over 50, we had almost 55,000 people in 13 days in a closed Muslim country. But he chose us to be the vessels in which he showed up. You know, it's God revealing himself to people that brings them into the kingdom. You know, they see our hope. They see our joy. They see that he has given us a future. These are all things they want. They know they need him. So when we think about the Great Commission, you know, oftentimes, you know, we we talk about go a lot, okay, and going, yeah, that's important. But you know, it's it's only go back to go back to when when Abram was called. He said, you know, you're going to go. There's that word again, go. But he says, you know, you're going to go to a land I will show you. Okay, so does he really mean go, or does he mean come along with me? Come along with me. And what did what did Abram have to do? Just agree to go. Who did all the doing? God did all the doing. You know, come along with me and I'll, you know, go to a land that I will show you and I will give it to you and I will do this and I will do that and I'll do everything else. It's the same way today. It's the same way today. God is still doing it. We're just carrying the message. Tom said last week, we're just the clay pots. Let's look back to uh, Psalm 67 again here. Verses 3 and 4. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. You rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May all the people praise you. In Revelation 7, verse 9, he gives us a little clue of what that looks like. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There's a little peak. That's what it's going to look like. That's what it's going to sound like. That's the end state. That's what we're doing this for. And people are going to be in that gathering because of you. Because of your obedience. It makes a difference. 
You know, in our 12 study, we looked, one of the verses we looked at was, was Romans 12, verse 5. And I like the way it says it in the, uh, in the New Living translation. Kind of cool. He says, he's talking about the body. So it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of his one body, each of us with different work to do. And since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. Okay, what does that mean? Well, he's got places for all of us. You know, the great thing about the Great Commission is to all of us. Everybody plays. Everybody has a role. We talked about senders earlier. We need to have people who pray. We need to have people who give. We need to have people who go. We need to have people who are encouraging people, who are thinking about that, who are working on it. All of that counts. But maybe going doesn't really involve a geographic move. Tell you a story about a friend of mine. I said uh, he he worked in Macau. That's not, you know, that's over by China, and uh, but it's not really germane to the story. He worked there, and he made his business to notice the people that nobody paid attention to. And where do you go during the course of a week? You know, do you go to Seven Eleven to get a cup of coffee? Do you go to McDonald's because it's cheaper there? You know, maybe you go to Starbucks. Go to the grocery store. You go to the gas station. There are people there that oftentimes we just overlook. But you see, Larry made it his point to look for those people who had to be there, the sort of potted plant type people, you know, the security guards and and folks like that who had to be there but weren't really expected to talk with anyone. And, you know, by the time... I saw him over there. He, already, he had collected out of this primarily Muslim culture, or I'm sorry, not Muslim, but uh, Buddhist culture, um, 33 people having a Bible study in his home. And as we would walk down the street and turn around the corner, you'd see these guys all out in front of the shops where they're working and that, and they would see Larry and they'd recognize him, and suddenly they'd stand up about three inches taller. Because somebody was coming down the street who loved them. Somebody was coming down the street who cared about them and who knew what was going on in their lives. Who paid attention to them. There are people in our lives who are just like that. Now, just, you know, lest there be any doubt, this is, I don't do this every day, okay? I say this because I need to hear it as well. And... uh, but, you know, we can do that. We can do that right here. We can do that without, without changing a whit about our path through the week. We can just be alert to the people around us. You know, some people might be called to go overseas. You know, here I was, here I was a ship driver in, in the United States Navy. Well, who knew? God has a Navy too. And he needed people to do that. And, you know, thankfully, with the training and the background he's given me, that enables 400 other people to go. Because that's how many people we carry on our ship. Okay? Um, I was at a, I was at a uh, business conference um, two weeks ago down in Cincinnati. 
the company's mission statement is completing the Great Commission while building a world-class healthcare company. Everybody in the company knows what they're what they're about. They are a world-class healthcare company. A multi-million dollar, a multi-tens of millions of dollar operation. But they're doing it for one reason. To spread the kingdom of God around the world. You know, look at the people he uses. Okay, the Parkers are uh, physical therapists. Denise is a teacher. Okay. Cabot, who is the, the news anchor, is being used every day. You know, Ross was talking a couple weeks ago about Moses and all the, all the litany of excuses. You know, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. You know, ever said that to God? <laughs> I have. And finally, what did he get down to? He said, look, what's that in your hand? Well, what's in your hand? You know, are, are you an engineer? Are you an electrician? Do you work in the software industry? What difference can you make right where you are? What difference can you make by doing what you do someplace else? You know, David Mustine, some of you know him, he left here and went and joined a seismic research company based in Dubai. The reason for that, they were doing oil and gas surveys up in closed countries. They were doing necessary work that needed to be done, but that particular company was formed to do that necessary work with believers in closed countries. People who would go up and live and work as Christians. All kinds of different ways to do it. My boss says, you know, some of you need to be called to stay here. This mission stuff, it's expensive. Somebody's got to make some money to support this. But you know what? You know, I mean, he kind of says that tongue in cheek, but it's true. And, you know, it's no, you know, it's no different to be called to be in business, to be called to be a banker, to be called to be a mom than it is to be called to go overseas. Our worth to the kingdom is based on God's unconditional love for us. He loves us, not because of what we bring, but because of who we are, who he has made us to be. And, you know, it's, you, you say, but, you know, you don't know what I've done. That doesn't matter. What do we talk about? Our hope, our joy, our future. It's our future that matters. We have a future that's infectious. He wants to use that. Yeah, but you just don't know. But he does. 
He knows. And he doesn't love us any less. In fact, in, you know, in 2 Timothy 2.13, he says, when we are faithless, what? He is faithful. He will remain faithful. You know, it's one step at a time. We want to know what step 532 is. But you know what? In truth, if we knew that, I mean, if I knew that, I would run screaming from the room. Okay? It's, I got enough challenge trying to find the next one. But we keep wanting to look ahead. We keep wanting to dash ahead. We don't want, we're not content with this. But you know, you can't get to step 25 if you're trying to skip step three. You got to do, you got to do each step each day. It's a daily, it's a daily thing. Let's look at the last couple of verses in, in Psalm 67 here. After all this, after all these things he's shown us and the great worship service and the songs and the singing and the praising, then the land will yield its harvest and then the Lord will bless us. All the ends of the earth will fear him. We all have different gifts. We have different talents. We have different experiences. All orchestrated by whom? My dad, right? And Romans 8.28 is true. All these things he works together for his glory. But I'm divorced. Yeah, he knows that. One of the guys who was actually his first wife, my friend Bob, his first wife was the sister-in-law of the guy who started our movement. But they got divorced. Well, we are still linked with Bob. We are still intimately partnered with Bob moving forward. And he is the leading guy translating the Bible for the gypsies of Southeast Europe. I am so blessed. I get to work among people who believe what it says in this book. Even the hard parts, even the parts about forgiveness and restoration. We get to do that because we have we have an example and we even have how to do it. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom. Everybody can be used. Praying, giving, encouraging, going. Everybody plays. What is it that God wants you to do? What kind of challenges has he given you today? Enjoy those today. Enjoy those challenges. Let him take care of. And the scripture says, each day has enough trouble of its own. He didn't write that by mistake. Walk with me. Walk with me, he says. It's a daily thing. You know, the, the kingdom, the expansion of the kingdom is not like a nuclear detonation. It's like yeast and dough. Sometimes it moves imperceptibly. We can watch it and watch it and watch it and it doesn't look like anything's happening. But it is. Jerry Bridges says, God wants us to walk in obedience, not in victory. Because victory is centered on me. 
Obedience centered on Him. So what's my role? It's going to be different for each one of us. But how do we find out? Ask Him. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Ask Him what He wants. Maybe you need to, you know, stop and see some of our partners out in the lobby and find some concrete ways that you can get linked up right now and just start finding things out. But it's a team effort that we're involved in. After we close, we're going to play a song by Steve Green that, that uh, the, the, uh, uh, the chorus of which is to love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission. That's what makes it go. That's what makes it go. Our walking with him. Further, it says, across the street or around the world, the mission is still the same. Proclaim and live the truth in Jesus' name. Ask him. And don't be afraid to follow him. Go to a land I will show you. Talk to a person I will show you. Live your life as salt and light.